Before I let you know what I am going to be speaking about this morning, um, I was taken back to this moment with my eldest child, who is now 14 years old, back to this moment where we still lived in Sydney, Australia, and he was three years old. He was obsessed with the story of David and Goliath. So every night when we would go to bed, we had the whole children's Bible, but we just flipped open to that page. And every single time we would read the story of David and Goliath. Well, one night, in the middle of the night, little Zeke, so cute with his chubby cheeks and and his little Aussie accent, comes running in and wakes me up. And he's like, Mom, Mom, Goliath was just in my room and I was like, are you serious? Like, you know, when you're a mom, you like sit up and I don't know what, you know, in that dream, like I'm still sleeping state. And I was like, well, what did you do? I said, did you tell him to get out of your room? He goes, no, mom. I told him to get out of my house. And I was like, that's a whole nother level. That's way more faith than I had. I was like, just get out of, get out of my uh, room. So, you know, you can hang out in the hallway. And I was thinking about actually authority and prayer And this childlike understanding that he had, even just without knowing, no, you don't want to tell something, a spirit that maybe torments you or taunts you just to go into the hallway to wait for you when you walk out of your room. No, get out of my house. And I was thinking about us as sons and daughters. When we follow Jesus, when we are received into the faith, when we become sons and daughters of the living God, we have got to understand something. We receive an inheritance from Jesus Christ for all that he has done. So therefore, we can walk in this authority as children, knowing who our father is, knowing that in Psalm 23, where he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Have you ever thought about that picture? He sits us down at the table with him at a table that he has prepared and he lets our enemies watch who we're sitting with, our father who provides for us, who sets a table in the presence of our enemies so that the enemy knows who our dad is. And I think about prayer. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Who's, how are you doing? You don't have to raise your hand, but how are you doing with the 21 days of fasting and prayer? Some of you are like, I'll fast one day maybe for the 21 days. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you decided or maybe you didn't enter into the fast this year because you're still learning about a lot of things and that's great. Whatever part of the journey you are on, it's really important. But we're gonna talk about prayer this morning. I had this note in my phone for almost over a year and now I feel like it's time to be able to bring this message. I wanna empower you this morning when it comes to prayer. This message is simply called When You Pray, but I wanna talk about prayer and the authority that you have and what can take place as you pray. That it's not just something that we do or schedule into our morning to make sure that we pray and we feel good about ourselves. It's so much more than that as sons and daughters. Mother Teresa said this, she said, God shapes the world by prayer. Think about this. God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. The mightier the mightier the forces against evil. The mightier the forces against evil. Think about the power of your prayer. I know this maybe seems like a really simple revelation, but at the very beginning of the fast, it was like when I woke up that morning knowing that, oh, here we go. <laughs> it was like I heard the Holy Spirit whisper to me, you know you can only pray while you're on earth. And it was an interesting thought where I went, yeah, 
After we breathe our last, we don't need prayer anymore because we are in the presence of God. But on earth, as sons and daughters, it is our right to pray, to see chains broken, to see lives changed, to go into spaces and places through our prayer that maybe we can't go with our feet. Prayer is very powerful. And, and, you know, Jesus spoke about prayer, not with a, if you pray, isn't this interesting? His word to us as his sons and daughters was not, if you pray, it was with a, when you pray. And then after he said, when you pray, he's such a good father. He's such a good God that he didn't just say, you know, I'm expecting you to pray. He's like, let me show you how to pray. Let me tell you how to pray. He's so good. He gives us a roadmap. His word is rich. So what we're going to do is we're going to start in Matthew 6. If you want to look it up, you can. If you want to just listen, that's fine. But take it in. Write notes on your phone if you want to or write it down. We're going to start Matthew 6. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 15. So just take this in. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, And when you pray... I love that he just starts out like this. Jesus is so hardcore. Don't be like the hypocrites, okay? (laughs) Don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. I love the beauty and the intimacy of prayer. Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, this is the third time he said it, do not keep on babbling like the pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Isn't that empowering too? You don't have to have all of these articulate words to pray. He's like, go talk to God like he's your dad. He's your father in heaven. When you're in this secret place, you don't have to have like, you don't have to be eloquent. You just get to go and be in his presence. Don't be like them for your father knows, this is the best. Your father knows what you need before you even ask him. But let's just stop there for a minute. The fact that God already knows what we need before we ask him, but he still wants to be in connection with us. So we'll come and talk to him about it. Isn't that beautiful? It's not just about him going, well, God, you already know, so why do I have to talk to you about it? He's like, no, but I want relationship and connection with you. But then Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, this then is how you should pray. Because as his disciples, aren't you like, thank you that when I should pray, but also how do I do it? Like, what is a structure? How can we, how can we break down prayer? Maybe some of you are like that. Maybe some of you are more like, I don't care. I don't need to know. I just love being in the presence of God. It depends on your personality type. Either way, there is a beautiful, there is beautiful direction for us to pray. This then is how you should pray. Verse nine, our father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Hallowed is just a beautiful way of saying glory to your name. God, we put you in the right place. There are many things going on in our lives down here, but we glorify you in the midst of the chaos, confusion, pain, trial, suffering, all the things we walk through. We remember to put you up in your right place as we enter into prayer. We remember who you are. We remember how good you are. And then he says this, say, your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Does anybody else get a mental picture with that? It's like, wait, your kingdom come. You have a kingdom that is in a heavenly realm and you are asking us to pray and see your heavenly realm be established here on earth as sons and daughters, to see healing, to see miracles, to see great things take place in our lives. You have empowered us to do that. On earth as it is in heaven, give us today our daily bread. Okay, do you love that even there, he cares about our needs, 
that he wants our needs to be met. So God, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Do you see that? It's not just that we receive forgiveness. He's expecting that we are also forgiving those that have hurt us. It is both and. We receive forgiveness and we give forgiveness. And lead us not into temptation. (laughs) But deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I love that. Lead us not into temptation. Protect us, Lord, and deliver us from the evil. Deliverance, freedom. That is all encompassing in this beautiful prayer. So even if you take nothing else out of this, maybe take Matthew 6 home and go through it again and again and walk that prayer out every single day until you memorize it and it becomes a part of your life. It says, verse 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father also forgives you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive you your sins. Who loves Jesus? Just mic dropping and saying intense things all the time. Receiving the full word. That's why we have to read um, the full Bible in context and understanding the greatness of God and the forgiveness that we've received. Martin Luther said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Let me say that again, Martin Luther. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. And I, what I want to do today is I want to talk about when you pray. I'm going to give you four things to understand what happens while you pray. So when you pray, understand that you pray. I'm going to give you four different things. What is taking place? Understand that you pray, number one, for connection. You pray for connection, connection and relationship with God. And let me read to you out of Matthew 12. If you're taking notes, Matthew 12, verses 12 through 13. Matthew 12, verses 12 through 13. This is one of those stories that we hear about all the time. And and it was interesting thinking about the context of why this took place. This is when Jesus comes to the temple courts and he sees that people are buying and selling sacrifices to people who can't afford them. Think about that. They're putting a barrier up for people to come into the presence of God. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the, um, and the benches of those selling doves. And he said, it is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of what? A house of prayer. My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. See, I love all of the aspects and the facets of Jesus and who he was. In this moment, his anger at the people who are selling things and getting in the way of people coming into the presence of God. Do you see this? Jesus was about to make a way. He was about to be the final sacrifice. And they're selling sacrifices so people can come into the presence of God, be cleansed, be made whole. And Jesus is like, okay, I am about to do away with this whole system by my life being laid down so that you can all come into the presence of God. So his rage and his anger was that they were creating barriers for people to be cleansed and to be made whole and to come and give sacrifices. And Jesus' anger, oh man, think about the things that are barriers to us now. What, would, what table would Jesus flip over in your life to come and have connection with you? What barriers have maybe we placed or other people placed in our way where we're trying to get around? And Jesus is like, hey, I died. You have full access and connection to me because I am the sacrifice who has cleansed you. What tables are in our way? 
What things would Jesus be like? Come on, get these tables out of the way so that we can connect, so that we can be together. I think about the difference between agendas versus presence. Agendas versus presence, right? We need both and in our prayer life. But I think about my husband and how we work together, but we also are in love with each other. So sometimes we have to talk about work and sometimes we just need to go on a date night. And there have been times in the past, if you know my husband, believe he has a three on the Enneagram, he's always getting it done, 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 you know, he never tires of the work, and I'm like, goodbye, I'm going to go sleep, you work so hard, Um, (laughs) I'll sleep for you. Um, But, you know, what's interesting is there would be times and seasons where even on our date night, where there's no agenda but to connect, no agenda but to be together, where the task list would come into the date night. And I'm like, I'm going to flip over some tables. I'm getting angry right now. I don't want to talk about tasks. I don't want to talk about work. I just want to look at you in the eyes and talk about how much we love each other. And so, so it's the difference, even if you think about your relationship with God, knowing where you're at in, your, in, in the day, in the moment. Agendas versus presence. Yes, sometimes there is an agenda. You are coming. You are knocking. You are asking. You are seeking on the doors of heaven. You're like, hello, Lord. I would use this door, but I will get distracted. Um, so let's not get distracted. We know, we know me. Um, but, but sometimes there is a space and a place, and we're going to talk about this later. There's a space and a place for agenda and prayer, but sometimes, sometimes it's just about presence. It's just about connection. It's just about sitting there. I was talking at Equip this week and talking about um, the day-by-day, um, emotionally, the longest book title ever, right? Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's a very good book, but they have a companion that can go with it. It's day-by-day, um, and you do this, this journal along with it, but what it tells you to do is right when you wake up in the morning, still yourself in the presence of God for three minutes. They're like three to five minutes. Try to turn on a timer and just sit there in the presence of God. Don't think about your tasks. Don't think about the agendas for the day. Okay, do you know how hard one minute is? <laughs> right? You're like, good morning, Lord. Okay, I have so many things to do, right? This is what we do. Lord, also, I need you to work on this, 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 and bye. Talk to you later, right? This is what we do, but to still ourselves in the presence of God. Think about Jesus in those moments where he flipped over tables, and he just, he just wants to be with you. He loves you. He loves being in your presence, and vice versa, that we would love being in his Ian Bound said, prayer should be, not be regarded as a duty which must be performed, but rather a privilege to be enjoyed. A rare delight that is always revealing some new beauty. Isn't that exciting? And so he's always present. And it's good for us to know that. And, and for us, just even practically, thinking about us as New Yorkers, the fact that we can kind of talk to God wherever we are. Anybody walk down the street with your AirPods in and a hat on and talk to people, like on the phone? And we look crazy, right? We look like... <laughs> Half the time people are like, are you talking? No, you're on, I'm on the phone. Um, that's all you have to do. You can pray and walk down the street and just tell someone, I'm on the phone with God. But you keep, like, if you think about it, nobody's going to know. They're just going to think you're on the phone. Just talk to God on the heavenly phone that you have. Um, I love Joyce Meyer, too. She said, prayer is simply talking to God like a friend and should be the easiest thing we do each day. Connection. When you pray, understand that you pray for connection. You have connection. So there's an activation. Can I give you an activation? If you get any of these, sometimes I don't want us to just hear the word, but like, what can we do? And because we don't have the screens, you can't take a picture of the activation. Just write it or think about it in your own words. But I I just have this. Ask yourself, do I go after agenda with God more than simply being in his presence? 
Just ask that. Do I go after agenda with God more than just simply being in his presence? And then I wrote this. The truth is we need both and. It's just simply important to be self-aware in case you lean heavily one way more or the other. Does that make sense? So that's just, just ask yourself that question during the fast this week. Number two is this. We need to understand that we pray with authority. We pray with authority. Remember Zeke and Goliath. Picture yourself. If you're in this place where maybe your Christian walk and the authority that you walk in has gotten jumbled, just picture a three-year-old knowing who they are and speaking like that to a Goliath. That is actually the same authority that you have. I love what it says in 1 John 4, 4. 1 John 4, 4. It says, you dear children are from God and have overcome them. Because this, is, this still gets me every time. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Do we operate like that in prayer? Do we operate in authority like that in prayer? That the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, hello, dead. He's now alive. That same power, the Holy Spirit power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive and at work within us? Do we pray like that? Or have we just settled into our Western Christianity and we're like, maybe I will. It's like, no, we should be praying crazy prayers with authority as sons and daughters, knowing that the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. The things that you face in the world, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I remember, can I tell you this? When I first got saved, what was it? Almost 21 years ago. Who also loves new babies and this child? is adorable. No, don't worry. It's my favorite sound. Good. <laughs> Although it's my favorite sound for you, not me anymore. So <laughs> praise the Lord. I'm good. Um, so I, um, I, I remember when I first got saved almost 21 years ago when I just started to follow Jesus and have a relationship with him, that I became distinctly aware of the spiritual realm and the battles that I was facing. All of a sudden, it was like this world that I was already aware of growing up became like technicolor to me. And I remember going to sleep one night and, and you know when you're in that half dream, half awake state? I remember being in that half dream, half awake state. And I don't know if it was a dream or reality. Either way, it was a spiritual moment for me that awakened me to my authority. I was laying in my room um, as a young 19 year old and I heard knocking on my window. And the, the scariest voice I've ever heard just said, let me in. Like, let me in through the window. And I was like, no, you may not come into my life or into my window in Jesus' name. And it went away and it was quiet and I went back to sleep. But I was so aware all of a sudden of the spiritual realm and the authority that I had to go, you can't come into my life unless I give you access. So no, access denied. That is the authority that I have in prayer. Matthew 16, 15 through 19, he continues on. We were reading this earlier. He said to them, and this is, this, this is a moment, okay, let me set this up contextually too. This is a moment where they're all sitting there. They're sitting at this place called the gates of hell. I went there when we went to Israel. It's a place where all sacrifices were made. It was called the gates of hell because so much death and destruction and sacrifice of innocent people happened at this place where temples were built up. Jesus is sitting there at the gates of hell with his disciples. And he is asking them these, these questions because Jesus, some people are like, well, he's a nice prophet. He's a great teacher. I don't know. He came from Nazareth. How could he be the savior of the Messiah? But Jesus is asking his disciples who have laid down everything to follow him. He's saying, okay, who do you say that I am? 
Who do you guys think that I am? And I feel like Jesus still asks us to this day, who do you say that I am in your life? Am I your savior? Am I your Lord? Do you know the authority that I've given you as a son or daughter? Who do you say that I am? Jesus Christ in your life. And of course, Simon Peter, who I adore, says, you're the Christ. He's like, I got this answer. I got the, I got the answer right. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. He's saying, you didn't get this from any teaching. The Holy Spirit has revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. On the fact, this rock, that I am Christ, the Messiah, I will build my church. And the gates of hell that you're looking at, this death and destruction, it will not prevail against it. He was using a word picture for them. And then he says this, get this authority that you have. Receive this. I will give you Jesus' disciples, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Does anybody see this in prayer? This is so exciting. (laughs) And I love the word picture there too, like bind. Okay, so negative things, demonic things, dark things. Okay, well, I'm gonna bind that in Jesus' name and it's bound in heaven. I'm gonna loose your kingdom, Lord. I'm gonna release your love, your spirit, your peace, your presence. Oh, it's released from heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. This is amazing. Any, is anybody else excited? Like sweating up here? Oh, I'm always sweating. Um, and I love Beth Moore. You know what Beth Moore says? She says, there are parts of our calling, works of the Holy Spirit and defeats of the darkness that will come no other way than through furious, fervent, faith-filled, unceasing prayer. And you know what? I just pray that this is stirring you up to continue in your prayer, in the 21 days of fasting and prayer, but your everyday prayer as well, amen? And I, I remember even having this revelation I had to sit with one of my kiddos who was struggling with some stuff because we'll pray for something and then, you know, you have to pray for it again. Anybody else get frustrated with that? You wish you could just pray it once and then it's like all solved. But then you wake up the next day, you're like, why is this temptation still here? Why am I so frustrated or angry? And we have to pray again. And I said to this, this, this kiddo of mine, I said, you know, life is like a battlefield, right? Sometimes you are in the middle of the fight and you are going for it. You're wearing the armor of God, which we will get to, and you're in it. And then sometimes you're still with everybody that you're warring with and battling with, but you're sitting by the campfire and there's rest. We have to remember that some days are battle days where we go to battle. Other days are days of rest and beauty where we don't have to go to battle, but we have to understand the authority that we have. You know, I think here's the activation for you. I would just ask yourself, what things need to be bound or loosed on earth so that they can be bound or loosed in heaven? Is it reconciliation, deliverance, finance, mercy, justice, peace? Remember, this is what I want you to remember. You actually have been given the keys. Is that, that's just mind blowing. You have been given the keys. It's your inheritance to operate as a son or daughter with authority. Quickly, I have two more for you. You know, we have to, we have to remember that when we pray, understand that when we pray, we're in the, uh, understand, sorry, let me get this, the wording right. Understand that you pray sometimes in the fight, right? So we're going to talk about the fight and the battle, but also what we have access to in that. Sometimes there's a fight. I was just talking about that. 
Every night um, over our kids, we love to pray the full armor of God as they sleep. I have vivid dreamers. Uh, my children are vivid dreamers, and uh, often we'll pray the full armor of God, and then we'll also talk about how, you know, um, we'll talk about their dreams. Sometimes they're definitely not from heaven, and other times they are. But we pray the full armor of God so they understand and have a word picture of what they have access to, to war with while they're awake and while they're asleep. They're covered and they're protected. In Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, I know we have heard this before, but can we just take this in in a way that we walk into battle with this? Remember, sons and daughters, the picture that we have there, what we have access to that so often we forget about. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take the stand, you take the stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is why I love like movies, like big dramatic movies, because I see anybody else with me. You're like, let's go watch a movie where there's good versus evil. <sighs> okay. <laughs> That's my favorite. Um, therefore, because all of this is going on around you, and some of you may be going, I sense that, I feel that, I'm aware of that. It's like he's reminding us, okay, it's not a fight against the flesh and blood. Maybe you need to pray for your spouse or your children or whatever is going on. And it feels like a flesh and blood fight because you're with them all the time. But the Lord is like, step out of that and begin to pray. Understand that I am doing things in the unseen realm that you are not aware of. But while you do it, while you pray, while you step into this, in the battle, in the fight, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, get these pictures, stand firm then with the belt of truth. In the day and age we're living in, we need to know what the truth is so that we can stand. Anybody else with me? But if we have feelings about the truth or feelings about what we think that God would say or think or do, but we're not reading what he would say or think or do, we're coming up with our own truth instead of standing with the truth. Does that make sense? So put on the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. What does the breastplate do? It covers our hearts. Our heart needs to be guarded and protected as we walk out into the battlefield. That is life. So therefore, we have to be aware of guarding our heart. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, the good news that we walk around and we bring peace, the peace of the gospel, the love of the gospel into the homes, into the spaces and places that God has put us. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith. Okay. Sorry. I don't know what's happening. Which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming. It's so much scripture today. Is everybody okay? And then we don't have it. So I hope you, I'm like just giving you scripture because uh, I love the word of God. Um, with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Do you get this picture? Okay. I'm, I'm going to come back to that in a second and take the helmet of salvation. Do you see that picture? When you are saved, your mind is protected. The helmet, I put salvation on my head. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And in addition, pick up, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Do you know that word there is rhema word, which means that the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance a scripture that you read in the moment. You're stepping into battle. You know you're walking into something difficult and the Holy Spirit will remind you of a word and you're like, that's my word in season. Have you heard this? It's a it's a short sword that it's talking about. It's not the long sword that you battle far away. It's a short sword so you can come close to the enemy and yeah, that is what this is talking about. That we have a word in season. We're like, oh, you're going to come that close enemy? Hmm. 
by. This is, this is the armor of God that we have. So this is why this is our sword. It's really important that we read this. And if you don't know where to start, join a community group. Ask any of us. We'll be up here after the service ends. You're like, oh, what do I do? This is a lot. Like, where do I begin? Why is it so confusing sometimes? Well, let me tell you, there is a whole big picture at hand, a beautiful story that we are a part of. And I want to tell you that on, <laughs> on uh, New Year's Day, I woke up and I had nightmares that night. I don't normally have nightmares. And um, I literally woke up and started to process. It was the first of January. And I was like, Paul, I'm, I'm going to need some time with God because that was, that was an intense night of sleep. No worries. He goes up and makes the coffee because he's a good, good husband. So he brings it and um, brings the coffee. And as I'm sitting there, I realized when I walked through the dream, I went, those were all of my worst fears with my children, with my husband, with the church, with our city. Every worst fear was placed into a dream. And I kept using the word fiery arrows. I was like, why these? And then the Lord brought me back to, he's like, you're full armor, shield of faith. When you put your shield of faith up, what is faith? He said, start prophesying over your children in their long life. Start prophesying over your marriage. Start prophesying over your city. Start prophesying over your church with faith that I will do what I said I would do, that I will adhere to my word. And as I did that, I grew stronger and I was like, whoa, I was like, enemy, you tried to scare me on the first day of the new year that my life was going to fall apart through a dream. Thanks for showing your hand because now I know how to pray. I know what to bind and send to the foot of the cross and I know what to release over my children. Isn't this amazing? So even when you feel afraid or you're like, man, I feel like I was in the fight last night, go, okay, cool. Well, I have authority as a son or a daughter to pray the opposite of what just took place in that dream. We bring the kingdom of heaven. We see, and often we're scared. Don't be scared of it. Go, thanks for revealing your hand, enemy. Now I know what the Lord wants to do in my life. Amen? All righty then. I should keep going. I need to, lay, I need to finish. Um, <laughs> oh, so many things. Okay, I'm not going to give you the activation for that. Just pray, have fun, write the scriptures. Let's do this. Um, the last one is this. We pray to see signs, wonders, and miracles. We pray to see signs, wonders, and miracles. You know, um, I'm going to let the team know. I don't think we're going to all come up at the end. Um, just so you guys know, we'll just have the team come. And, and I think we should have the prayer team ready to go and pray with people at the end of service if that's what, if that's what you would like. If you want to be activated in some way in your faith to pray with greater authority or a revelation that you're a son or a daughter, you're struggling with your prayer life and feeling like, where do I begin? We would love to pray for you. We have our prayer team ready to go. So what I wanted to do was share with you um, something that I can't see because my message just disappeared. So that's cool. Um, give me a second, guys. All right. Um, signs, wonders, and miracles. So let me read this to you. Miracle, miracles, they glorify God. This is where that part of his prayer, we see his kingdom come and his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. This is where we can point to him and go, look at, look at God, look what God did. This is where we see his goodness, we see his mercy, and, and we see how good he is. This is why we were singing, you guys can come on up. This is why we were singing Spirit Break Out. 
is because we want to see, we don't want to just come to church, do we? If we're really honest with ourselves, it's like, I want to gather in the community of believers. I want to be equipped. I want to be encouraged. But I want to go out there and be effective in my walk with God. I want to see his spirit break out of my life. I would say there's probably none of us that are like, no. You know, the reality is we want to see that, but maybe we're overthinking it. When God is using us in our everyday to love people, to see his spirit break out, to see signs, wonders, and miracles. Jesus said this to us in Matthew 10, 8. Matthew 10, 8, he said, heal the sick. Guys, are you ready for this? Heal the sick, raise the dead, raise the dead, um, cleanse those who have leprosy and drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. He's saying that to us as his disciples and we're like, time out. Raise the dead? Okay, I don't know about that. And also, I don't know many cases of leprosy. Can I tell you what that probably would be in our context? These are the outcast people. The people that were set off to the side, no one would touch them, no one would love them. It's where Mother Teresa went into leper colonies and loved people. Who are the people that are unloved? He's going, go to them. See healing in their lives. Go ahead, pray for the dead to be raised. See demons cast out. See freedom and deliverance. You know, it says in Revelation, they overcame by what? The, word, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives unto death. They didn't let, so they didn't cling to their own ways. They let it go and they gave the word of the testimony and they understood it was, it was the blood of the lamb that set them free. Can I tell you a few testimonies of signs, wonders, and miracles to stir your faith? Okay, so our neighbor, we've talked about him, Joey. He had his foot healed. I remember, do you guys remember this story? Walked past my apartment. He's like, my foot's sore. I'm like, come on in, pray for him. He comes down the next morning. I'm in my pajamas. He's like, you wouldn't believe it. I'm healed. I'm like, yeah, why am I surprised? I shouldn't be surprised. We should be praying for these things just because we don't see miracles. When we pray doesn't mean we should lower our faith down to the reality of what we've seen. Our God is good. We have seen cancer healed in this house. We have seen miracles take place. Joey also sits at the Thanksgiving table with us this year and he goes, well guys, I've been healed from diabetes. And we're like, I'm sorry, what? Joey's like, yeah, I'm healed from diabetes. And he says diabetes, not diabetes. So I love him. Do you know the ring bearer in my, in my um, wedding? He was raised from the dead by his mother. Just saying, he just got married last week. So this guy, he was, he was in the pool, not breathing. His mom found him, didn't know how long he had been there. And she tells this story. She's straddled the top of him and just started crying out to God, not my son. She's like screaming, screaming. The ambulance comes, takes him. They said, ma'am, he's breathing, which is amazing. Starts breathing as she prays. They said, but he's going to be brain dead. She's like, no, he's not. (laughs) She's like, I will not bow to the level of your faith. I will pray for full recovery. She begins to pray for full recovery. They walk in the next morning. Tyler is sitting up asking for food, completely healed, completely whole. And he was in my wedding, raised from the dead. Now, we live in Western society. So therefore, when, like even just recently, we saw it in another major church. There were people praying for her daughter to be raised from the dead. Now she wasn't, their daughter, her daughter, her two-year-old daughter was not raised from the dead. And the cynics would be like, well, that's right. But why would we not pray if someone wants to pray for their child to be raised from the dead? The word of God tells us to do it. And just because we don't see it doesn't mean God isn't good. It means we live in a fallen world where we are the bringers of the kingdom of heaven into every nook and cranny and crevice where we are called to walk. And we've got to understand, I think about my son, Jesse, when he was little. He goes, hey, mom, 
there's a monster over there. It's always there, that monster. And he was like pointing in his room. I didn't go, oh, that's cute. No, it's not. There's no monster. I was like, oh, really? We're going to tell that monster to go somewhere. He's like, yeah. We prayed, took authority. And guess what? He goes, the monster's not there. Next morning, I'd ask him, is it there? No, monster's gone. Hello, why do we ignore children when they come in and say, no, we've got to do all of these things. Heal the sick, raise the dead. Okay. <sighs> Let me just read this last scripture, John 14, 12 through 14. Very truly, I tell you, who be whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me will do these works I have been doing. And if we follow Jesus, the works he's been doing is, that's pretty miraculous. And he says, and they will do even greater things than these. He said, we're gonna do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And when he goes to the Father, what does he do? He releases and sends us the gift of the Holy Spirit so that when we pray, we together collectively around the world for the last 2000 years since Jesus died, rose again and ascended and gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit as a collective group, as the church that is moving forward on the earth, we are seeing greater miracles than were done in the three year period that Jesus was walking on the earth. That's what he's saying. We are joining this beautiful collective that is seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. So when you pray, understand that you have authority as a son, as a daughter. When you pray, it is for connection. When you pray in the fight, know the armor that you have. And when you pray, pray believing for signs, wonders, and miracles. Amen? <sighs> okay, let's go take a nap now or pray. Well, Father, I just thank you. Thank you for your goodness. More than anything, I just am so overwhelmed that we have access to you. We have access to your love. We have access to your goodness. And we thank you for that. May we never step back in prayer, but step in and see you do great works in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.